podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Euro Incision Podcast. Uh, I know it's a little late than usual, but we thought we'd give you a second. Enjoy the Reds in the FA Cup, progressing to the semi-finals. We thought we'll give you a moment for everything. And we are back and we want to share our thoughts and we want to reflect on the Champions League draw and, um, uh, you know, in particular Liverpool's um, upcoming fixture against Benfica. And joining me on this podcast, a he doesn't need an introduction. He really, really doesn't. And you know what? I I love working with this guy. Um, and you know, I think you guys love hearing from him as well. So it's a win-win. Uh, it's Mr. Themis Casares. Welcome back to the show. It's nice to be back. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Oh, you sound so crisp clear on the pod. Uh, Themis, Themis, well, 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 uh, Champions League draw. Um, we're always excited about this. And, um, you know, um, I think a lot of Liverpool fans are quite happy how this kind of worked out for us. So I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, we've seen the Champions League draw, Liverpool-Benfica, Villarreal versus Bayern Munich. City versus Atletico Madrid, and um, and of course uh, Real Madrid take on Chelsea. So there you go. And we also know who could potentially be playing in the semi-final as yeah. well. You know, it could be um, if should Liverpool progress, it would be on the side of Villarreal or Bayern Munich. Um, so yes, Themis, um, uh, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. First of all, um. Who were you dreading? And we shouldn't really say who were we dreading because you've got to play everyone and you shouldn't really fear anyone. But um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you with how things panned out for Liverpool in that draw? Well, we have to say 10, I think. Mm. I mean, there's no such thing as an easy draw or an easy opponent when you're talking about the quarterfinals of the Champions League. But you can scale things and, and rate things. And uh, I was having lunch Friday after the after the draw, and I told my wife we got Benfica and then we get maybe Bayern if we go through. And she said, "That's wonderful. We didn't we don't don't have to play any any English teams." <laughs> and I said, <laughs> first of all, wow! <laughs> I mean, your football." She's, she's a yeah. keeper, by the way. I yeah. love your issues. I mean, I'm just going on there and saying that live. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> wow! How come? How did you came up with that? And he said, why? Am I wrong? I said, you're not wrong. You're absolutely right. But I'm, I'm amazed that you said that. Uh, anyway, well, I have to be honest here. I, for a moment, I thought that we were destined to play City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people were. Yeah, because in a way, 
things tend to replicate themselves. And uh, we all remember what happened 11 years ago when uh, Barcelona played Real Madrid four times in 12 days, I think, something like that, because they played uh, in the Europa, in the Champions League semi-final. They had the league game to play and the Copa del Rey uh, final. And, uh, okay, for many football fans at that time, Real and Barcelona were the, the center of the football world. You got Messi, you got Ronaldo, you got Guardiola, you got Mourinho, you got everything in that picture. In mm-hmm. a way, in a way with uh, what Liverpool are doing in order to uh, propose a fierce competition to City and what Guardiola is doing there, in a way, Liverpool and City may be right now the center of the football world. And I thought that, you know, with the title race heating up, with that league game waiting at the 80 hat, maybe we're destined to face them and play versus them three days, in three times in a week. And uh, I was... It's a great draw for Liverpool. It's not easy. It's not something we should go out and celebrate about. You still have to win. You still have to uh, put your best game on the field. But, okay, Benfica is not like the other teams. And playing Bayern in the semi-final, okay, I prefer that to a non-English uh, semi-final. Yeah, I mean, I was I was speaking to my nephew about this and uh, we were just talking about, you know, oh, Liverpool actually got the easier side and I say that in air quotes and he goes the only downside is and you know he goes oh you know um should we progress and make it look at us counting our chickens before they hatch should we make the semi-final um we're gonna have to play um uh, the away leg second and you know and you know and he goes that you know like but you can't have it all you know so and I turned around and I stopped for a moment and I thought well I think Liverpool are kind of okay with handling that pressure because again I got to that Man City quarterfinal you know a few seasons ago and the away leg was the second leg in that quarterfinal and and if potentially we have to I mean, we're just, you know, we're just assuming should Liverpool make that semi-final and it is Bayern Munich that we're playing. Well, let's not forget in the knockout rounds, we actually had to beat Bayern Munich at their ground yeah. uh, to progress through. And, you know, and this Bayern side are, to me, looking a little weak as well. You know, defensively, they do look a bit questionable. I mean, they're not the force that maybe won it, won't won it under Hansi Flick a few, you know, a couple of seasons ago, you know, that that there are, you know, vulnerabilities and they won't like to play us. But obviously again I'm jumping the gun here. Yeah. We do play we do play Benfica. And of course I think they I think it's quite interesting this time round because theme is we have been kind of drawn on the side of where there are potentially two darling teams in Benfica and Villarreal, you know, in terms of you know, uh, what Villarreal did to Juventus, by the way, you know, again, mm-hmm. shocked, shocked again. So um, talk to me about Benfica, because I think, you know, people are always looking for like a hipster team of some kind. <laughs> and, you know, like, and I know obviously they played Ajax and I kind of, obviously I didn't watch the full game naturally, but I went back to watch the highlights and as deserving as they were, but to me, I mean, I'm going to do an in-depth um, uh, Benfica watch with them um, a Liverpool supporter slash Benfica supporter, um, uh, part two of your own decision for this. Um, but for me, um, 
I thought Ajax were quite graceful. Yeah. They weren't clinical enough. That's the story with mm. Ajax whenever they get uh, knocked out. I mean, when they're scoring the chances, they are able to do what they did to Real Madrid uh, three seasons uh, ago before they lost to Tottenham in that memorable uh, semi-final second uh, yeah. leg. Uh, that's the problem with uh, Ajax. They always, or almost always play magnificent football, but they get, get knocked out in a way they did by, by Benfica. Well, Benfica is having a, a weird season. It's, it's almost like they're switching roles with uh, Porto. For the last 20 years, my feeling is that the Benfica were the dominant force in the league, inside the country, but Porto was the team that was making uh, their name playing in Europe. And that's what I had in mind whenever I talked about those two uh, Portuguese uh, giants. Because you had Porto winning back-to-back European titles, when, like they did in 2003 and 2004. Mm. First the UEFA Cup and then the Champions League with Mourinho uh, at the helm. And uh, you looked at the table and you saw Benfica won the league. Benfica won the league because these are look like Juventus and Milan in Italy, where Juventus has won that many league titles, but Milan have the European uh, Cup triumphs, whereas Juventus uh, has never managed to to reach that uh, height outside of, of uh, Italy. This year it seems like the switch roles because Benfica are not doing uh, well in the Champions in the in the league. They're third, aren't they currently? Yeah, the third. They are twelve points behind uh, Porto. They are not facing any real trouble to securing that third place, which leads to the Champions League next season. But if you finish third, you have to play uh, a playoff round, a qualification round, in order to advance to the group stage of the Champions League. And they are six points behind uh, Sporting in order to maybe they have to fight and give their all in order to finish second. But they're having a great season in the Champions League. And I have to say, I looked at some stats, you know, out of the eight teams in the quarterfinals, only Benfica has a negative goal difference. (laughs) And only Benfica has a a negative expected goal difference. I mean, I'm not taking, I'm not trying to take uh, credit away from them. They have been marvelous so far, but it seems like they've squeezed their way through to the quarterfinals. I'm not saying that they don't deserve it. I'm just saying it's hard to say that you know, they are one of the eight best teams in, in Europe right now. Maybe they're not. <laughs> Maybe they're not. But they managed to, to, to go through. They had a great group stage when they only lost two games to Bayern Munich, which yep. were a team too much for them. Yep. But they beat Barcelona in their home ground and they managed to get a valuable away draw uh, at Camp Nou in order to go through. And then, as you said, uh, Ajax were wasteful. They defended the best way they they could. They managed to score away from home, and they got it. They are here, credit to them, but they don't feel like a proper quarterfinals uh, team. If I say, if I may say. No, 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 no. That was actually my next point. I was going to ask you. Well, obviously, listeners and myself, we all know that you know, you know, this is like your. Your competition, if you will, you know, you've you've covered a lot of Champions yeah. Leagues, you've been to a lot of finals. I know it's a family tradition. 
you know we you know we, we know how much this competition means to you so in terms of teams like and you know we're speaking about teams not doing great in, in the league and, um, and the quarterfinals I mean I'm looking at Villarreal right now in, in La yeah. Liga and they're currently seventh you know mm-hmm. um with 45 points like literally nine points off top four um you know there's um there's a lot going on there and uh, I wanted to, uh, that's what I wanted to ask you next actually so you've kind of beat me to the punch and um, do you think this helps the Champions League because obviously it's it is nice to see these teams do well mm-hmm. and and progress I mean I want to know where you sit on this like I remember that season we had the likes of like was it Deportivo La Coruña yeah. Monaco and Porto 2004 yeah you know, and actually, you know what? They, they actually played out their skins, to be fair. Let's let's just call it how it is. But where, where do you sit in all this? I mean, do you think it kind of dilutes the 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 the, the competition, or do you think it's it's kind of favourable? I mean, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Well, it depends on the way they do it. I mean, you mentioned Deportivo there, and I think it's one of the teams that they are bound to remember for by anyone who saw them play. Smashed everyone. Yeah, even though they didn't win anything, even though even though they didn't reach the final, I mean, who can forget what they did to the mighty AC Milan in order? And Juventus, the 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 knockout tie before that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, phenomenal. It's the way to do it. I mean, I remember Schalke playing a semi-final in the Champions League. Uh, Maybe it was 2010, something like that. They reached the semi-final, and, and it, they were totally an uninspiring team that everybody wanted to see them getting uh, knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Right now, if you're watching uh, Villarreal or Lyon or uh, uh, Ajax knock out Juventus, knock out Real Madrid, you're happy about them. I mean, mm-hmm. if, especially if it's happening to Juventus, because they are the team that has been advocating for the European Super League for so long and talking about football legacy and football heritage and seeing Ajax as a smaller club to them, I mean, that's that's blasphemy, that's insult to European mm-hmm. football. And I'm so happy to see them getting knocked out in the first knockout stage for four years in a row. I mean, that's wonderful to watch. <laughs> and if it's Villarreal who, who do it, a city of 55 uh, permanent residents, with so much tradition and love about football and the mm. yellow submarine and all that. I mean, what's not to like? What's not to like when you see that? And Befica was, is in a way, uh, well, a, a different team because they have, won, they have won the European, European Cup twice and they have done it in a back-to-back season. But since then, I, I'm sure you have heard, they have the, the Bella Goodman cares because they fired the manager that won those two European Cups. And when he was fired, he cursed them. Yeah, they would never do anything like that in Europe ever again. And that is the Bella Goodman uh, curse, because since then they have lost every European final they have played. Uh, And they are cursed (laughs) by their famous uh, manager because they were too uh, arrogant to fire the manager that had just won uh, two European Cups uh, back to back. Overall, there's a change because we have uh, been used to see Porto play in the first knockout stage or mm-hmm. maybe 
maybe advance in the quarterfinals as well. And not Benfica, but uh, they, they wrote their luck this season. And uh, in spite of the fact that they're not do, doing that well in the league, uh, I mean, okay, they, they might feel they have a chance because the results uh, versus Liverpool are not that bad. <laughs> I mean, they have knocked us out in 2006. Oh, I remember that. Was yeah. it? They were, Liverpool at, at the time were in the middle of, of the transition, I think, because we won the, the Champions League. Was it Simao that tortured me? Was it Simao? Yeah, Simao yeah. and Mikoli, and we had the the Greek legend Karagounis coming on as a substitute. He was playing for Befica back then, uh, came in, in as a substitute in both games. Then we knocked them out in the Europa League. Uh, funny enough, uh, we had a Greek playing in that tie too, because we had uh, Sotos Kyriakos <laughs> starting as a centre-back for Liverpool in that Europa League uh, tie in uh, Rafa Benitez's last season, before we were knocked out by Atletico, right? In the, in the semi-final, in the Europa League semi-final. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's nice to see uh, Villarreal and Benfica reaching at least the quarterfinals, not always. And that, I'm thinking that almost every season that is the case. Almost every season you find one, maybe two teams that in the beginning of the season you didn't think that they're going to make uh, the final eight. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, you know, um, uh, the, the past history doesn't plague too much for Liverpool. I mean, theme is just a quick one on this one. Um, Obviously, Benfica, um, you kind of were obviously stats there, negative, you know, that they concede a lot, that, you know, negative in terms of goal scoring as well. Um, I'm assuming maybe a lot of their threat would be potentially set pieces. Um, you know, so um, would you say that's fair? Well, I, I could say that they have uh, a young striker. Yes. A young up-and-coming striker from Uruguay, Nunez, yep. who has yep. scored the away goal that sent it through, and he's having a breakout season. Uh, he's only 22. And they almost always play with two strikers up front, whereas it's a 4-4-2 or a 3-5-2. They have an aging defense, because we're going to see some familiar faces uh, when they play us, because they usually start with Vertonghen and Otamendi in the center of the defense, and they're both both uh, 34 years old, and we know them too well from their years in the, in the Premier League. They have another Brazilian as a defender, but he's only 20 years old. He's kind of inexperienced right now. So I'm guessing the two veterans will start with their 80 legs. Mm. Good luck with that. And I think I should say that, I, I should mention that, they have a winger that is named Everton. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <What> you... <laughs> I don't know what you make of that, but I had to say that as an enforced trivia. Yeah, their uh, their left winger is called Everton. He's a Brazilian, and that's what I have to say about about that. <laughs> yep, I think there'll be an awkward silence in Tumbleweed, and I think a lot of Liverpool fans will probably be smiling. You know, yeah. like, yep, we like that name. We'll take, you know, we'll, we'll take that all day. Okay, Themis. Um. Obviously, um, uh, 
those listening, you know, we have a Discord um, community. So I kind of went in there and I just said, hey, I'm doing a couple of pods, you know, it's international break, why not, you know? So Themis, I have a question here for you. It's from Steve W. Yeah. And he goes, um, I definitely need to draw the parallels from the 1981, uh, of course, you know, when the Reds won it, um, at Paris final, Real Madrid as a potential final opponent and Bayern Munich, a potential semi-final opponent. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I would like to visit Paris again for sure. I have a trip planned and uh, already planned out to go to Paris uh, uh, driving actually. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I was too young back then, but we mm. all remember the way we won that final and I always had fun uh, when we I talked about with my friends about you know the biggest European clubs and stuff like that, and they always mention Real Madrid. And I always used to say, you know what? They still haven't scored a goal versus Liverpool. That was before we played them in that uh, horrendous group yes. stage <laughs> under uh, Rodgers. But before that, they have never scored a goal uh, versus Liverpool because they lost the European Cup final 1-0, and then we played them in the quarterfinals and we won at Madrid 1-0 and then we thrust them 4-0 yeah. at Anfield. And I said, you know, they're a great club, but do, do you, don't you think they have to score at least one goal versus Liverpool? And I was all laughing about that. Well, it's it would be, it would be nice to visit Paris, Paris, Paris again. And, uh, and all those songs about winning in Paris and winning in uh, Wembley and all that stuff. Uh, it would be nice and I'm thinking a lot of fans would, would definitely make the trip. Right. I mean, they managed to to go through uh, the Europe to reach Istanbul. I mean, Paris would be a walk in the park for them. Yeah, they, yeah, they made it to Kiev, didn't they? You yeah, know, that yeah. was not easy. I know Gags and Co did it, and my gosh, what a journey they embarked on to get there. Yeah, I mean, but it's part of the of the of the joy of being a football fan and watching your team reach a cup final. I mean, the the plans and the the preparation and the, the struggle, maybe, in order to reach a certain city and the country and all that stuff, that's part of the joy. I mean, it, it makes us all feel like teenagers again, having a first uh, summer away from uh, without the parents, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it, would, it, it would be great. It would be great to get past Benfica, step one, then face Bayern Munich and exploit the fact that no matter how uh, great they are when they have the ball. They don't have the defensive mm. organization that Liverpool do. Mm. And you know what? They didn't have it when they win it, when they won it. They didn't even have, have it back then. I mean, the final was over and they won it 1-0. And one of the match was their goalkeeper, Neuer. Why was that? Why, why was the, the goalkeeper man of the match in the Champions League final? Because at the end of the day, Paris Saint-Germain was the team that had the better, the better chances. And Neuer said no, credit to him for being an amazing goalkeeper, and credit to Bayern Munich for having him. But even when they won it, they never saw, they never looked like a team that could combine the attacking force they have with so many play, players joining the attack. Mm. But when you do that, you're bound to have some problems when your uh, attack is finished and the opponent has the ball. They lack that 
defensive organization behind the ball in order to to reduce the threat from counter-attacks and quick transitions. Yeah, I mean, I thought Salzburg, you know, if, you know, they, they, that first half in, in the first leg, you know, really came at them and then it, they just got sucked in deeper and deeper and deeper and just started yeah. defending and kind of, you know, essentially just shut themselves in their, in, in their foot. You know, they were definitely there and you definitely saw vulnerabilities within there. And, you know, and I, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, defensively, they don't look all that great. So it will be really interesting, Themis. Themis, um, Liverpool Benfica, do you expect Liverpool to progress? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, I mean, and, and I'm I'm guessing, I would be devastated if we don't. I mean, yeah. I have to be honest here, yeah. And on this side as well, Bayern Munich, Villarreal. Well, I think Bayern Munich? Well, I think Bayern will go through. I think we have another rematch with Jurgen Klopp facing his biggest enemy in the Bundesliga. Because they are the biggest enemy and he is the manager they admire the most. We all know that. We all know that they wanted him at some point. We all know that he will never forget and will never forgive the fact that they took Lewandowski and took Getze out of his Dortmund side. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that will never happen in any other league, only in Bundesliga. The, the biggest club in the country can go to yeah. the fiercest enemy. Yeah say, okay, we're going to take your best player and then we're going to take your best talent. And they keep doing that. And they did it to Leipzig as well. They went in the summer and said, okay, you have a great squad and we're going to buy your captain and going to have your manager as well. I mean, no no other league in the world. No other league in the world. In any, in any sport, you cannot see that happening. And uh, it's business as usual. If, if something like that happened, in England or in Spain or in, I don't know, there would be riots. There would be riots. Remember when Real Madrid got Figo? Oh, gosh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I'm not saying it cannot happen. All I'm saying is that if it happens, it's a, it's massive news. It is, it's huge, yeah. Yeah, and in Bundesliga, it's business as usual. They're Bayern Munich, they're called Hollywood FC for a reason. Mm. And they have that luxury that no other team in Europe has. That luxury, I mean, they all talk about how Bayern Munich is a proper football club, managed in the best possible way, with no debts, financial stability, 51% of the stakes are owned by the fans and all that stuff. And I'm all for it because it's all true. Yeah. But, but they never had to do anything different because they never had to have to deal with Abramovich, with Abu Dhabi, with Saudi Arabia, with Qatar, with Barcelona taking loans, with Real Madrid. No. They are the absolute powerhouse in their own league. And they're using their league as the biggest weapon because they can buy anybody they want and they can do it while they set the prices. They set set the price. They say, okay, we're going to buy the captain of Leipzig. How much? Yeah. Is 35 million enough? There's no competition. They are the only bidders. And they can do whatever they want to do. So, yeah, what, when we talk them up and say how wonderful this club is being run, we're saying the truth. But the whole truth is no other team in Europe has the luxury to do what they're doing year in, year out. And that's why they're dominating the league. 
And even if they lose the league twice in a row, what Dortmund did with Klopp was amazing. Amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. to beat Bayern Munich once, yeah, maybe you're lucky. To beat them twice in a row, to make them think, to make them struggle, to make them find work and find solutions. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if we're ever going to see that again. Honestly. I don't know which team, uh, when they're going to be able to win the league from Bayern Munich and then retain it. I don't know if we're ever going to see that again. They have that luxury. Uh, yeah, which is what makes um, you know the Jurgen Klopp uh, achievement with Borussia Dortmund all more special. You know, to um, you know, w- you know, to awaken that sleeping giant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When we had people talking about Jurgen Klopp losing finals and uh, producing uh, football but not titles, I remember that Jose Mourinho quote that said that those philosophers of the game, and he was talking about Klopp, saying that you know all they do is talk and play attractive football, but they never win anything. And I said to myself, my God, try and win the league for Bayern Munich. Try and do that. And then do it again next season. With no financial power compared to what Bayern Munich have in their hands. And you're talking about losing finals? Anybody can lose a final and anybody can win a final. Roberto Di Matteo won the final. So mm. that would make him a great manager. Is, the, is he working right now anywhere? Yeah. What are you talking about losing finals? It's about getting to the final. Maybe you win it, maybe you lose it. Come on, it's more about luck than anything else. So try and win the league in 34 games in the Bundesliga. The title, the title race versus Bayern, who are almost certain, certain to win any game they play, and then do it again next season. And then you're talking about not winning and not having the the mentality and the the skill set to win leagues and win titles. What are you talking about? Try and do that. Mm. No, no, it's very interesting. And when he said, "Oh, um, Jurgen Klopp's old um, enemy or nemesis," I was half yeah. thinking that you were saying Nagelsmann's stylist. I had to just stop myself. Um, I wonder what that <laughs> but he's going to be wearing. I mean, theme is just quickly on on the whole Bayern Munich thing. I mean. We're talking about them as a potential semi-final um, yeah. uh, team that we're going to play. And you said they don't really get challenged in the league. Now, I, I'm sat there and I'm listening to you. And obviously, you know, your, your head just goes on a mad one. Obviously, we're looking at Liverpool right now. And again, it again makes Jurgen Klopp's achievements at Liverpool also special as well, going up against that superpower, superpower in Man City and the Chelsea's and them likes and, you know, trying to push them to the next level and push us to the next level. So I'm sat there thinking, well, Liverpool, you're hoping, are going to be fighting for this league all the way till the end. And then you've got a team like Bayern Munich that doesn't really have to try so hard in the league because they've got such a... They can lose games, but they've still got a healthy advantage in the league. And I'm thinking, does that favour Bayern Munich or bite them in the backside? Because to me, it feels more like it bites them on the backside because I've seen teams like Paris Saint-Germain who... Yeah. Who who kind of is that the sharpness and the alertness is gone? I mean, they lost three 0 to Monaco over the weekend, and you're like, oh, well, what what impact does that have on the league? None whatsoever for them. Yeah. None. Yeah. Well, I have to agree with you. I mean, okay, maybe having to play every game with your maximum intensity sometimes takes a toll. Maybe you have players that are injured, or your fatigue is increasing. Yeah, that would be a problem. But overall, I think the team that has to win every game and keep 
100% focused in every game has the edge over a team that thinks that football has a switch and you can turn it on and then you can turn it off and then turn it on again. That's not how it works. From my experience, that's not how it works. The team that, the teams that progress and reach their maximum potential are the teams that never switch off. They're always Consistency and, over intensity, right? Yes, and keeping everybody involved with rotation, keeping every player sharp and ready yeah. to provide when needed. I mean, I remember when we were fighting for the league 2019 and we have to win every game hoping that City might slip just once in order for us to overtake them. Yeah. And, I have, and I have friends of mine who are Liverpool supporters messaging me on Instagram or on Twitter and saying, you know what, maybe with Barcelona waiting in the semi-final, we could, you know, uh, pick the league and try to focus there because we have a chance to win the league after 29 years and maybe forget about the Champions League because we reached the final last season. And I said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? We're going to have to play every game like it's a final. Mm. And that's, that's good. That's good because that's how you build your mentality. That's how you, you remain uh, united and focused, extremely focused, not focused like, okay, come on boys, we have a big game on, uh, on the weekend. So let's train hard this week. No, that mentality is not something you switch off and on. That's very hard to find. And when you do find it, you never want to ease it off or switch it off for any reason. When you do find it, you have to become the team that no matter who's playing, even with heavy rotation, and Liverpool are doing that. We've, we have played the Cups with, with heavy rotation. But we never played the game with the mentality that we don't care if we lose that game. Never, ever. Because that mentality is so hard to get in football. I mean, it was really hard for Liverpool to get that back during the course of this season because we had that disaster last season and I remember you and I talking uh, months ago and we said, you know what, we're still trying to figure out how good Liverpool are going to be in this season because we're not sure yet. We are maybe afraid that something horrible will happen again. Maybe we'll be afraid that, okay, we have improved since last season, but we are nowhere near the heights that we reached when we won the league. So we kind of waited to see how it's going to evolve during the season. And it goes brilliantly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we have, uh, we have a team that has convinced, convinced us that they, they can go all the way. I'm not sure they're going to do it, but they are capable of doing, of doing it. And that's, that's amazing to watch. So when you have that, you don't switch it off. No, no, you go everything you had and let Bayern Munich rest. 11 players in the weekend. If they think that the resting the whole team, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying as an example, yeah. resting a whole team before playing the away or the second leg of the semi-final is going to be good for them. Okay, let them have it. I don't care. Let them do it. Maybe, nice. yeah, maybe if we had rested in Mo or, or Keita, they wouldn't have been injured in Newcastle three days before before we had to play Barcelona. But we did play them. We won the game with that Origi, Origi header and we kept the pressure up on Manchester City 
But we lost two, two players and we didn't have them alongside Firmino, of course, in the return leg versus Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. We, we won the game anyway, but you know what? Maybe we, we wouldn't have won the game because Messi would score that uh, free kick in the final minute of the stoppage time. Yeah. And there would be 4-1 and they would go through. Okay, and we, we would be devastated. I don't care because the important thing is to give your all and be able to do, to do it no matter who is playing. And that's why, that's what we mm. have been trying to do in the Past couple of the past two months, with that heavy rotation, with Diaz coming in, with everybody getting back from the injuries, it's a delicate balance. But I think we are excellent in that. No, we we definitely are. It's great to see, you know, the fact that we have so many options now. I think is we obviously we we've got to look at the other side of of the draw, and um, it looks like the tougher end. Let's be honest. Um, so. Real Madrid, Chelsea. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, what does this potentially mean? Uh, Chelsea, their travels, um, everything. Of course, you know, Real Madrid uh, absolutely humbled PSG and then got humbled themselves by uh, Barcelona yeah. uh, last night in, in the Clasico. I mean, and of course, we like the, the mess that is Chelsea right now. I mean, talk to me about that one. I mean, what, what do you think? Well... It's a chance for Real Madrid to get their events because they were knocked out last season when yes. Chelsea became the European champions. Uh, but maybe, maybe Chelsea are still um, better than them. And uh, I watched the Classico last night and credit to Xavi with with what he has done in Barcelona since he became their manager and he returned as the Messiah to save them from that mess and he still has a long way to go. But I looked at some stats uh, this morning and Barcelona in that game had seven sequences with more of uh, 20 passes uninterrupted. Seven sequences with 20 or more consecutive passes without Real Madrid touching the ball. And you know what? I don't think any other team in the quarterfinal allows the opponent to do that much as Real Madrid do. Mm. I mean, credit to them for doing what they did to PSG and we all were, we all were happy about that. I mean, watching PSG fail, it's one of the biggest joys right now in football. That's, that's, that's the way I see it, mm. at least. So we're happy that they went for it and their gambling paid off and they had an amazing night with Benzema with that historic hat-trick and Modric showing his, his world-class even that, at that age. But maybe the problems Chelsea have outside the pitch can create mm. that siege mentality we were talking about in the last pod. Yeah. And uh, Tuchel seems to be managing the situation really well. He's been conducting him. himself with so much class, by the way. Credit where yes. it's due. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. And no matter what, what you and I think about the whole situation with Chelsea and how hypocritical the English football is when he's now banning Roman Abramovich while allowing um, people from Saudi Arabia yeah. to yeah. buy the castle and now 
they are ready to bid for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> come on. But and replacing one devil with another, but yes, okay, you know. Yes, and what Jurgen said in that press conference, I mean, what a guy. When he said, did anybody care when he bought Chelsea? Did you care when he bought Chelsea? You care now, I can tell from your question. But did you care when that started, when that happened? Or you were celebrating Chelsea and their defensive record and Jose Mourinho and all that stuff, ignoring the fact that they became the absolute powerhouse with financial doping. Did you care then? Did you care when Jose Mourinho was calling uh, Arsene Wenger the professor of failure? Mm-hmm. Did you care there? Because he was mocking Wenger. Yeah. Because he had less money. That's, that was the point. That was yeah. the point. I mean, Chelsea were the invincibles and they have, uh, Arsenal, I'm sorry, were the invincibles and mm-hmm. they have finished second in the first uh, league title won by Chelsea. And since then, they have been nowhere near the top and they only finished second just once behind Leicester. So why is that? They had the problems, yeah. They had somehow a decline, yeah. But they were pushed over by all, by all that money. First mm-hmm. by Chelsea and then by City. Yeah. So do we care about that? Only we, we only care when it, there is a war going on. Mm. Do, we, do we care about the football part of, of that uh, story? I mean, did you see that uh, Deloitte uh, list? Manchester City has the biggest revenue in the world. Did you know that? Laughable. Yeah. I mean, do we want to talk about that ever? Or we only talk about Kevin De Bruyne, fabulous footballer, Pep Guardiola, tactical genius and all the stuff. Yeah, we do talk about that all the time. But, but maybe, maybe, maybe once or twice in a season, we have to find the time to talk about the other stuff too. Because, I mean, let's, let's face it. I, I know that many people, you know, hate Liverpool or dislike Liverpool because they are Man United fans, because they are Chelsea fans or whatever. Okay. It's part of the game. But I would like to see them and hear their thoughts if City walked the league five years in a row. Yeah. What would they have to say about their beloved Premier League that they watch week in, week out <laughs> all their lives? Because I know in Greece, especially, people love the Premier League. People watch that mm-hmm. league more than anything else. And what would they say if City became the Bayern Munich of the Premier League, winning the league no matter what? Resting players in order to play a European semi-final because they are 12 points ahead, 20 points ahead, 30 points ahead. I don't care. What would they say? I mean, it's easy to say I don't like Liverpool and stuff like that, but Liverpool are giving you a title race, are giving you a serious opponent to what Manchester City are doing in that league with financial doping. Yep. And you know what? We And we found it boring when Man United were walking the league under Fergie, you know, yeah. in the 90s. It was horrible to watch. Not just, And I wasn't that much into football then. But it was just like, oh, the season that's that United will be champions. And that yeah. was the feel and that was the mood constantly. And it wasn't cool. 
And I'm not just saying it because it's Man United, but I can imagine like Bundesliga fans just, oh yeah, starting the season, Bayern Munich will be champions. And it's a, it must be a horrible feeling. You know, I like the fact that, you know, Liverpool are pushing these lot to the edge and this should be, and which makes Jurgen Klopp's achievements even even yeah. better considering, oh yeah, we spend money. I'm not saying we're, we're on pennies. We're not. We spend money. We're not naive to that. But look what we're dealing with. And there are no consequences for, you know, how how they are run as football organisations. And I'm glad Jurgen Klopp said what he said. And obviously he is a man of integrity and principles. And, you know, long may it continue. And I'm glad he's our manager. Bemis, yeah. so between these two, if you had to pick a winner, it might be a bit hard. Because like you said, it, 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 with Chelsea, I definitely think they're probably a better all-round squad. But it just depends on the external factors. And yeah. so I'm, I'm going to have to ask you, I mean, if you had to pick a winner on paper, who would it be? I have to pick Chelsea again. Mm. I yeah. have to pick Chelsea again, as long as they don't start Lukaku in any of the games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Come on. 80 million pounds for the striker you don't need when you have all that amazing talent and all that fluidity. In your offense, and you're giving Abraham to Roma. Why? Why? Yeah. He's not prolific enough. He's not young enough. He's not English. Why don't you keep that amazing talent and make him the great striker he can become? And you choose to uh, transfer him to Roma and spend 80 million, 80 million pounds to get Lukaku. Why? Why would you do that? I mean, anyway. I mean, more more are, money than sense, but we won't go there. Yeah, uh, we are so lucky, so lucky with what is going on in Liverpool for the past six or seven seasons. So lucky to have a team working that amazingly in every aspect of the game. So lucky. We don't throw our money around. I mean, it's it's amazing to watch and have the privilege to watch other teams spend money and say, you know what, I'm not envy. I'm not envy because what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> and I don't care. I don't care if you got Lukaku back. That, that is a wrong move. You got Ronaldo mm. back? Yeah, yeah. That's, that is a wrong move. And we're doing the right move. Yeah. It's, it's a privilege. It's amazing. Absolutely. Right, Themis. Let's move on to the last one just really quickly. Um, Manchester City, uh, you know, people always can always bank on Man City having it easy, but they are playing um, Atletico Madrid, Diego Simeone. We know he's a bit of a, somewhat of a little bit of a professional in, in the Champions League. He's made a couple of finals, so and so. Um, I was actually really, really worried about Man City roundabout. I'm going to say January time because they look like this, you know, they, they're pretty much running away with the league. Yeah, And I thought, well, you know what? This is them now just going to go absolutely full pelters in the Champions League. And, you know, this could potentially be scary, but we are hot on the heels. Um, and, of course, I think Atletico Madrid, who, you know, I'll be honest with you, are not a comfortable... I know we beat them in the group stages, but I don't like them. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, uh, in terms of how they play, I think they are... You know, I think you once spoke about a kryptonite, and I find out that there's specific kind of football can potentially be a kryptonite for us if we're not on it. So I want to get your thoughts in terms of this fixture and um, how you kind of see it going. Well, Guardiola versus uh, Simeone gave us one of the best uh, football games in the Champions League I've ever watched. 
that return leg when uh, Atletico won the first semi-final in Madrid, 1-0, and then they played the away game in the in Munich. <coughs> and, <coughs> and Guardiola said in his press conference before the game to the press, talking to the press, and he said, you think you have killed me, but I have one last bullet left before the game. And Bayern Munich that night absolutely trust Atletico Madrid, but somehow, somehow, some way, Atletico managed to get through in order to reach the second um, Champions League final mm-hmm. with uh, Simeone. There is a rematch in that uh, sense. Well, I'm thinking that Atletico Madrid are not, they are still doing what they are, that what in the football they believe in. Yes. They're still, they're still doing that. They're not as good as they have been in the past. Agreed. I mean, I mean watching them knock out Manchester United, I would expect them to be uh, a lot more attacking and not, not a lot more uh, threatening while defending behind the ball. Because that, that's what they used to do. They defended well, but they could kill you with counterattacks and quick transitions. And they are no longer that side. I mean, I expected them to knock out Manchester United because United are a mess right now. But I, I was watching the game and I said, you know, fair play to you. You are better than United, but I don't think you're good enough to really progress to the semi-final or the final this season. Well, they have a tendency to surprise us. I have to say that. Mm. And I'm not ruling anything out, but they have to be lucky. They have to be lucky to do it again versus Guardiola. And they have to score first because City, when they score first, they win. I mean, they oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They sure. haven't, yeah, they haven't dropped a single point this season from a winning position. Not yeah. a single point. But if you score first, if they, they concede first, well, then they start to doubt themselves. Then they're not used to feeling uncomfortable during a game. And that may hurt them because in Ties like that, the smallest details can make the biggest uh, difference. We have to wait and see. Uh, right now, I'm thinking City are the favorites because yeah. I don't think Atletico are in the level they were when they reached the Champions League finals in the past. Uh, right now, I think they are above, they are beyond that level. But they can surprise us. I give them, I give them credit for that. They can think, do it. They are yeah. the master of the dark arts. Yeah, they are. And another thing as well, I mean, Pep Guardiola is, is a great coach as he is. I feel like sometimes he overthinks things. Yeah. When I think about that Champions League final, uh, you know, uh, his uh, team selection. Yeah. And, you know, he can do things. I, I, I don't know if he will. Um, I don't, and also, I feel like he, uh, things stay with him. I don't know him personally, obviously, but I feel like things stay with him. Like, I feel like he, Definitely has some kind of issue with Jurgen Klopp, um, uh, or an un- unhealthy obsession, shall we say, or some kind of, you know, like I do think that Liverpool do kind of live rent free in his head, and I don't know if like that whole thing about Diego Simeone and of course, you know, Atleti knocking out his Bayern Munich side out, maybe that you know he might, I don't know, yeah. he might overthink something. Where is there is that? One famous uh, story about Guardiola, and I think that's all you need to know about him. 
uh, in his first season at Real Madrid, they played uh, in his first season in Bayern. I'm sorry, they mm. played they played Real Madrid in the semi-final, and they lost the first game in, in Madrid one 0 And while they were returning uh, with the plane back to Munich, he was talking with his uh, assistant uh, manager, and he decided on the game plan for the second leg. The same night that they were uh, traveling back to Germany. And mm. he said, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to set up like this and we're going to do that. And they were talking for hours and they agreed, even if it was in six uh, days, that right now we're going to decide and this is what we're going to do. And when it, they finished talking, he turned to his uh, assistant, Dominic Torren, the French one. And he said, he said, famously said, Domenech, don't let me change my mind until the game comes. Wow. And that quote, that quote tells me everything I need to know about the guy. Because he's a tactical genius. He has 1,000 solutions to every aspect of the game. But that knowledge and that, uh, that resource of football knowledge that he can use Anytime in any game makes it even more complex to him to decide on what he's going to do because he has another idea and then he has another idea yeah. and then he has another idea and they, they all look great and he has the team because he's a great manager. He has a team that can implement any idea. He trusts his players that he can do anything he asks them to do it because they are trained to do so. So that quote, don't let me change my mind says everything because he knows that he is the kind of man even though he decided that this is my plan he might change his mind in two days time or in three days days uh, time and he did and they were thrust four nil in mm. the in the second leg and he famously said that this is the biggest defeat of my career because I'm all to blame not the players nobody else I I made a mess I made yeah. a mess and you never know. You never know with him. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's the, that's his genius, but also he's a downfall. problem. Yes, he's downfall when it comes to big games and he has all that thoughts, hours after hours after hours, talking about what we're going to do, questioning even his himself. That leads to trouble. It really does. I mean, I'm I'm with you. If 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 we're just going off just straight up pedigree, I think Man City will have enough to overcome Atletico Madrid here. But like you said, we kind of discussed um, Pep Guardiola and you know what could he potentially do, and and also have nasty and dirty Atleti turn out to be as well. You know that's another factor as well. Yes. and um, Anyway, I would like to to see them go through and not have it easy in the league. I would like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I would like to to go through. I like it. Themis is playing a tactical game. You're not the only one here, um, uh, Pep Guardiola. Yeah, I, I mean, like it. A Chelsea City semi-final would, would be good for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, let, them, let them play two games. Let them fight. It would be amazing for English football and everybody involved. I like it, famous last words by Themis Casares. Themis, um, we've come to the end of the pod. We said it'd be half an hour, but we get yeah. talking. 
because that's what we do. Uh, before I let you go, um, any final thoughts, anything uh, before we close it off? Well, just one thought in my head uh, while we come to the international break and we have a, a heavily packed month waiting uh, the Reds. Stay safe and healthy mm -hmm. and you can do anything. Just that. That's my, that's my only hope. That's my only thought. For everybody I... to be healthy and available and uh, I would be happy to go on that journey uh, with that team. And what a lovely note to end the pod on. Themis, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed our, our little thoughts and let us know your thoughts, predictions, how you feeling, how do you feel about the draw. We'd love to hear from you. In, we'd love for you to interact with us. And if you do want to interact with us, Themis, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I live there. I, my, my handle is my last name, K-E-W-S-A-R-I-S. I mainly tweet in, in Greek, but I can answer in English on everything you might want to talk about, about Liverpool, about English, the Premier League or the Champions League or in, uh, the Greek football. <laughs> if you have any weirdos out, out there who, who want to know about Greek football, feel free to ask me anything. Wonderful stuff, wonderful stuff. Yep, do do give Themis a follow. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I will be back in a few days. Um, looking closely at Benfica with um, our incredible, incredible, um, awesome guy that is Marco Lopez. Um, you've given us a few questions on Discord. I'm sure he'll be happy to answer them as well. Guys, um, just echo what Themis said there, you know, um, enjoy the ride and take care. Until next time, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. And find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.